This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. And now it's time for Coach Hogg's Locker Room. Professor Ward Scott, now the Coach Hog in the Coach Hog's locker room in the Warthog Man Cave Command Center in the Miller Law Studio in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida in a beautiful, beautiful day. The weather is fantastic here. If you're missing out because you're up north or somewhere, right here in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida, we got ideal weather. And we're enjoying it and we're getting outside and um, there's no COVID. So, um, and that's something. Wah, wah, wah. Well, we've titled today's show, of course, um, The Changing of the Guard. And if, um, uh, this story is not just a local story, I suppose, given the absolute fanaticism and, and enraptured interest that people seem to have in football. And uh, the more the money is spent on it, the more the expectations are. And it's a, um, a kind of a circle, you know, more money, more expectations, more expectations, more money. And um, so I want to go through a little bit today, having been a coach myself, um, among all the other hats that I have worn brilliantly, uh, what I take of the interview that I watched from beginning to end with the new coach here, who, quite frankly, for those of us who've been around for a while, uh, it's just a wait and see situation. Uh, we've been through this a lot and um, we've been jilted at the, at the, at the, at the altar um quite a number of times we've had this hype and uh you know it, it, it just turns out to be a wet firecracker so um the situation here could turn out to be very good or it could turn out to be a whole hum um and i want to begin with um, the culture into which this uh, latest uh, version of a florida head coach comes this is a very very uh competitive league as you know the southeastern conference I was thinking about this and the coaches that these schools now have, all of whom are very, very good and very overpaid. But that's uh, a sickness of the society. Uh, if I were the coach, I'd take the money and run, uh, too, and um, pinch myself under the covers at night and say, golly, is this really what they're willing to pay me? Um, so let's look at some of the coaches this coach has got to compete with. Uh, who have established records, really, uh, greater than this coach's record. Um, let's take a look at the head of the pack, of course, which is Nick Saban. And uh, Nick Saban is really kind of the top of the mountain right now. It's been that way for quite a while. There were some fits and starts in Alabama after Bryant died and, uh, you know, um, and after they started looking for somebody to carry that tradition uh, and they finally have arrived with Saban, who is obviously doing it extremely well. Um, you know, you have a coach over here at Georgia who is a very impressive coach. Um, he uh, is right up in there in the top echelon of coaches, in my humble opinion. I like the way he talks to his team. He's a, a fighter. He teaches his team to fight. Uh, he believes in athletic, this game is a fight. And it is. It's just basically a civilized, as much as you can civilize it, barroom brawl. And um, that's what is so appealing about it. If you like to wallow around on the ground and, you know, wrestle and fight and, and smack people, this is a game for you. And a lot of us do. I mean, a lot of people just really like fighting. And um, that's what you select for in this particular sport, guys, who are really 
tough dudes and like to brawl. Now, it's um, always been a challenge to keep them civilized off the field um, and to find them from civilized recruiting spaces, which is, you know, not easy to do. Um, so, uh, you know, it's a game that is all about fighting. And if you listen to the rhetoric of uh, the Georgia coach, he addresses that full head. Uh, you've got um, you've got uh, Lane Kiffin at um, Ole Miss. It looks as if he's going to take that team to the Sugar Bowl. He's got an eight and two record. Man, he has really produced here lately, and his comes from a pedigree. His uh, father was the head defensive coach for the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he sends his father still there in his ear. So you can you can bet he gets advice from him. So you've got then you've got Jimbo Fisher, who is no slouch. Um, now you've got this guy Kelly coming down from Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Our Lady, to, to the LSU Bengal Tiger. That guy's no slouch. Um, so what really are your expectations here for a Florida coach? You know, he's going to have to get in there and compete with some very, very good coaches. And I'm just talking now a little bit off the top of my head. Hey, Stoops, don't forget Stoops at Kentucky. He's done really, really well at Kentucky. So you've got a good coach at Kentucky. Uh, you've got a, a good coach at Ole Miss. You've got a good coach at uh, out there uh, at the Texas A&M world. you got a good coach, of course, at Alabama. A uh, good coach at Georgia. Uh, 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 where do you not have good coaches? Well, you probably got a good coach at Vanderbilt. It's just at Vanderbilt, you just don't have enough recruits because of the academic qualifications of the institution. Um, so, you know, what are you what are you left with? Well, you're left with Missouri. Um, it seemed to be kind of lagging right now, although they've had their stellar moments. And um, uh, it's so you've got five or six guys um, uh, with real solid programs with proven track records that this coach is going to have to jump in there and butt heads with. Um, if you want to see it in nature, all you have to do is come uh, out to the farm and watch the little bulls butt heads in the bull hole. It's an amazing phenomenon. We've got two little bulls here right now. One of them is just barely over a week old. He was born on Thanksgiving Day, and he's already in the bull hole, butting heads with a little half-brother who's a little bit older than he is. For what reason? Well, by golly, hey, ultimately it's going to be genetic superiority that inseminates that heifer. So um, we're, we're talking in this particular game um, about the alpha dog as a male. And so I listened to coaches to see if they try to sugarcoat that. And if they do, they're lying to themselves and to the public and to the players, because this is all about the alpha dog male. And um, when I listened to this guy, Napier, or come in here, uh, he did say a couple of things that, now, listen, I've heard all the stuff he said before. It's pretty much standard coach talk. Uh, you know, you, this is right out of the, the PR relationship playbook. I've said all these things myself. The main one, what you say as a coach, how you do on this field, by God, is how you do in life. If you cheat here on this field, by God, you'll cheat in life. If you are the quitter here on this field, by God, you'll quit life. You know, I can't tell you how many times we've said that and I've heard that. And then we had all these dadgum slogans we had in the locker room. A crooked river gets her by the path of least resistance. You know, uh, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Um, it's all about how you do on this field is how you do in life. And I heard him say that. Uh, we uh, That's my main goal is to teach these young men to do well in life. Well, that's standard issue talk from coaches. You don't pay much attention to that because every coach has got to say that because he's got to go to the, the kid's living room, provided there is one, and sit down with the mama and the papa, provided there are two, and say to them, you give me your son and I'll bring you back a man. That's basically what you've got to pitch. That's what you sell. 
come in here, you give me a boy, and by God, when he comes back, you'll have a man that you can be proud of. And we can do it better than anybody else can do it. And here's how I plan to do it. So that's where you start. And if it's successful, uh, then you sort of recruit automatically. You get a reputation like Saban gets and you sort of recruit automatically. But that's not going to be the case with this coach. He's going to have to build that reputation. And he's not going to be able to start with much because he's coming in late to the game. So that's going to be something. And he kept using the word patience because, you know, he's not – he knows that they want instant gratification. And he – I haven't counted the number of times he used the word patience, but I think he was sounding an alarm saying, hey, man, now listen, don't be jumping on me now if I lose a couple of games right off the bat here. Uh, but, you know, he's not going to put it that way because he's not going to let the word lose cross his lips. So <clears> – <throat> You know, Dickie years ago was criticized heavily. Uh, Avoid lose and then try to win was one of his motto. Man, I never heard of such gobbledygook, and people hated it. So, um, you know, you won't hear the coach say he will never mention the word lose. Um, so what what he substituted is the word patience. So he's got to have patience now, and we will put it together piece by piece and all that was the basic conversation. Now, having heard that, I'm still listening for, you know, how does this person excel in the middle of all these very, very proven coaches and programs? Um, the heard the word discipline, every coach says that. But the discipline has to be from top to bottom. And I heard this man say something that I did like. Discipline in how you dress. Discipline and how you shake hands. You know, that's pretty darn good. I listened to that and I thought, okay, okay. Discipline and how you dress. He knows, he knows what he's saying. UF was criticized for sloppy attire. Guys to, and you know, I'm all against this, uh, this hair hanging out the back of a helmet. Uh, that's off the field stuff. That ain't help. That, in fact, that's why the helmets come off. There's too much hair on them. You know, I don't know what to say about that because I don't want to be too hard on young people who are coming through a particular culture in a particular fashion. But, you know, when you step on that field, you're not the same as your classmates. You're not the same person at all. You're a privileged character and you have to take responsibility for those privileges. If he can pass that along, uh, that will probably help maybe win the games. Now we still got to have players that can believe and compete and work together. So I heard discipline. I like that. Uh, I heard all the way down to how you dress. I like that. What I didn't like, and I understand why he has to say it, is the same old gobbledygook about, quote unquote, the student slash athlete. Even the jocks laugh at that. The jocks themselves know that they get slack. They're slackers. They get they get all kinds of favors. They're moochers. They're freebie guys. Uh, they carry it all away. You talk about carrying something into adulthood. That's what they carry into adulthood. That's why most restaurants named after big-time jocks go broke because all of his buddies come here and don't want to pay. I mean, that's a fact. So, uh you know, they, we, we have to be careful about these characters because they're getting all kinds of special favors. They're not your typical student. Let me just give you an example. Now, this comes to the Warthog Command Center uh, information 24-7 from you out there on the research team. There is a, 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 a woman uh, who, who is a teacher, okay? who knows something that you probably don't know. And that is that the uh, athletes, of course, have tutors. You know that, I'm sure. But what are the expectations and what happens with those tutors? I'm talking about the University of Florida. The reason we know this is this woman has a, 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 uh, a son who just needs three more credits to graduate from the university. Now, this is a son who is, you know, not all that much given to academics and who, you know, is dragging his feet into the adult world, as many of them do. 
uh, kind of hooked on the computer worlds. <laughs> but the parents want this son to get a college degree and is just three credits short. So they've found a course that this son could take that all he has to do is turn in the notes. And he does it. He can do it abstractly. He can do it by Zoom. He really doesn't even need to attend a class, but he has to turn in notes. And if he turns in notes, that's credit for the course. And all he wants is credit. Well, guess what? He has to do the notes himself. But the jocks are in this class, too. And their tutors do the notes for them. Hello. Let me repeat that. The tutors do the notes for the jocks. It's all they got to do is submit the stuff. And in submitting it, they get credit for the course. And they're called college students. Let's hang up on that crap, okay? Let's hang up on that crap. Now, that's not to say there's not occasionally a very, very good student. And usually they'll parade him out on television. Well, here he is, the valedictorian. He's almost a freak. I mean, he really is. I mean, he's not the he's he's not the, the rule, he's the exception. God bless him. So they'll roll those guys out and oh my God, looky here. Here's your exemplar example of a student athlete. Yeah, really? Come on, man. Let's go down in the trenches and see what we got. Okay. So that was one thing, it was just strict more BS. But the guy's gotta say it. He's gotta say it. But it ain't true. That bothers me a little bit. What I did like, I'm back to the positive side of the of the of the, uh, of the ledger here, is he understands something about football that I learned when I first was asked to be on a coaching staff. I didn't ask to be on the staff. The coaching staff asked me to be on the staff. Okay, and I tell you, it was really flattering because I said, "Why? Why do you want me?" on your coaching staff, and they said, because you, you, when these young men see you, they'll run through a wall for you. I don't know what they were talking about, but they saw something in me, and so they put me on the staff. So they said, well, what would you like to coach? The wide receivers or the running backs or the line? What would you like to coach? Well, you know, I didn't really have a good answer. Um, I let them answer for me. And the head coach, the head coach, said, coach, you're going to be with me. We're going to coach the offensive line together. He says, if you learn the offensive line, and I'm going to teach you how to coach an offensive line. If you learn how to coach an offensive line and find the offensive lineman, you will be able to build a good team around that. I heard this guy say the same thing. He said that he's going to have two coaches for the offensive line. Okay, he said, why not? I agree with him. I think those guys need all the help they can get, because if you can find and we've had some really good ones here. Donnie Young was a good one. Uh, Lomas Brown was a good one. Larry Gagner was a good one. We've had some really good ones here, but they are exceptional people. But one thing, they have very good balance, very good footwork, and they're very strong and they're very big and they're very smart. So they can handle it. They can get it done, but you got to hunt for these guys. And um, once you got them, you got to coach them up and keep them going because they can lead your team. So I agree with him on that. I really think that is special. What I did take away from his conversation was that he is going to be what some people would call a control freak. Every single thing is going to be controlled by him. Now, that's going to be wonderful if it works. Now, it's worked in a smaller venue. We'll see if it works here. It's absolutely antithesis of what we've had in the past. Uh, we, in some, some form or another, we haven't had that always. Um, he will be a micromanager down to what color the socks are that you wear. He will call the plays. Now, let me say there's one thing that is you got to be prepared for when a coach says he's going to call the plays and nobody else, which is what he said. We had that happen uh, with a team that I was associated with. We had a coach that called the plays and nobody else called them. 
And every single play that the quarterback on the field called, he had been ordered to call from the coach on the sideline. Well, the coach passed out. The coach passed out on the sideline. You talk about going in the tank. There wasn't any coach on the sidelines who could pick up the offensive playbook and run that team because the egocentric head coach who'd been calling the plays never delegated that to anybody else. He kept it to himself. This could happen to this guy. He's assuming that this system works where he is the one and only him. He calls the plays. Okay. That's fine until he goes down. And then what? So he needs to have a backup plan. I'm assuming he will. But what I'm taking away from it, hopefully, is a positive organizational chart where everything is in its place. Everybody knows its responsibility and everyone buys into that. And that becomes a manageable situation headed up by him, the CEO. So I'm taking away from this a kind of a mixed score sheet. Uh, one score sheet is that there's really nothing new that he said that coaches don't always say. Uh, so therefore, we've got to wait and see if his way of applying it works. Uh, we got to wait and see if the micromanagement of a young person's life down to, and I, I understand that. I mean, hey, I've had coaches say to guys, listen, you don't date that girl anymore. She's nothing but trouble. She's causing you trouble. You're going to get in trouble. And sooner or later, you're going to get kicked off this team because you're in trouble with her. I've had coaches just absolutely say to their player or their athlete, you know, that that relationship you have with that young lady is done. It's finished, period, because you're screwing up. It's taking your attention away from this team. So, I mean, I'm not I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. Hey, if you're going to grow up and you'll be part of a team, you're going to go to war, which is what this is. It ain't a game. It's a war. So if you're going to go to war, then you got to be ready to, you know, join the men and commit to the men. And that's what we got. Now, that's the bottom line. If that can happen and you can prepare guys to go to war and stick up for each other and fight until the last body is dragged from the field, then you got a team. And I got, I got to tell you that my, my, one of my good friends who played for Vince Lombardi, I think I've told you this. I ask him, what is it about Vince Lombardi that can inspire such great activity from the players? And my friend said that Coach Lombardi was able to convince grown men that on uh, the day the ball was kicked off, the communists were coming to rape your mother on the 50-yard line. And we believed it. That's Coach Vince Lombardi. That's about where you got to go if you want to be great. Any lesser or lower version of that, I think, opens a door for um, some sort of um, uh, issue that you don't want to have to deal with. So <clears throat> I'm going to give this coach the benefit of the doubt uh, that his micromanagement of every aspect of the team and uh, anybody associated with it works and it's being done to create a fighting machine. Now, he did use the word attack, which I liked. Yes, yes, yes. Attack, attack, attack. Um, you know, that's that's the whole thing. Keep the pressure on them. Attack, attack, attack. Don't back up. Don't back up. You know, my, my former student, Tom Petty, has the don't back down. It's really don't back up. And uh, uh, that's that, that's what it's all about in that, that game out there. So that's my take on this new coach who was, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be a, another iteration of what we've had trying to bring the Gator around to national prominence. And um, we wish him the best and um, uh, haven't met the gentleman, Napier, but um, uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, there are a couple other things that are worth talking about here in Coach Hogg's locker room that don't involve the changing of the guard. Um, it's kind of a... You know, this has to be somewhere in the culture, and it somehow will affect um, uh, sports. It's not going to affect football. All this gobbledygook that you think that a girl can play football ain't going to happen. Uh, you have guys say, well, I'll get me one. You, 
you find me one, I'll, I'll let her kick. You know, they can kick, but maybe they can hold for the kicker, but they can't get in the trenches. They can't get in the pit. They can't run as fast. They can't jump as high. They can't take the bone crushing collisions. Forget it. But they can go into tennis. They can go into swimming. Don't think they can go into basketball, uh, but they can go into some of these other sports. Uh, and probably as the uh, fluidity of sexuality, uh, participate. And at the University of Pennsylvania, I want to just give you this story. Uh, there is a swimmer named Leah Thomas. <coughs> she has smashed university records in the 200-meter freestyle and the 500-meter freestyle and has won the 100-meter freestyle and helped Pennsylvania win the 400-meter freestyle relay. And just two years ago, just two years ago, Leah Thomas, remember that name? Leah Thomas was competing in men's swimming. Huh? Now, that ain't going to happen in football. You know, it, it's just not going to happen. I mean, there's a code. There's, a, there's an alpha dog code out there. Okay, for one thing, you've seen it happen. Um, and, you know, it's one of the things supposedly got Gruden in trouble because he was old guard and adamant about any kind of lesser version of masculine sexuality being on the field. Um, so he didn't he didn't fit in too well with the woke culture. But this Leah Thomas is getting away with this. Okay. Was competing in men's swimming at Penn as Will Thomas. So Leah Thomas was Will Thomas. And in the 2018-19 season, Thomas was a second team All-Ivy swimmer in three different events. After last competing against men in November 2019, uh, and this is in a Washington Examiner, um, Thomas returned after the Ivy League canceled the 2021 season because of COVID and then returned after that to compete uh, against women. And women who would otherwise have been on Penn's team are out of luck. And so are the women who would have won these events had they not been competing against Leah Thomas who was really Will Thomas. <laughs> I, I didn't make this stuff up, okay? I'm not making this stuff up. Now, according to the article here that's covering this, which I think is pretty darn interesting, I don't think Napier have to deal with this at all, but we've already seen a man well past his physical prime, according to the article here, take a spot at the Olympics away from a 21-year-old female athlete. And now a man who was winning against men just two years ago is dominating women's swimming in the Ivy League. And why? This is why. Sports leagues and organizations are rejecting basic biology in favor of scientifically illiterate gender ideology. There you are. There is an issue for you. Huh? <clears throat> Basic biology is being defeated by scientifically illiterate gender ideology. Huh? What a mouthful that is. I couldn't, that's a better phrase than even I could have come up with. And according to the observers of this phenomenon, this is only going to get worse. Um, the Olympics have now signaled their support and are encouraging. More formerly men, now quote unquote women, to compete in women's events. This is all uh, sponsored by, of course, transgender activists. And uh, the corporations, they don't have any spine, okay? You, if you think a corporation's got a, bit, a businessman, ain't got no spine. The businessman wants to sell another hot dog, okay? There's some of them, don't get me wrong, there's some of them pretty tough dudes. My pillow comes to mind, for example, that man. But uh, the corporations, by and large, they wilt 
whenever they're confronted with this deal and go along with it. And uh, they instead choose to stay silent. So um, the opinion of the, the people watching this out there in, in sports world is that it's only uh, going uh, to uh, get a worser. Huh? Only going to get worser. So you've got Will Thomas, who was defeating men's swimmers, now swimming as Leah Thomas, beating the crap out of women's swimmers. Huh? My God, what are we going to have next? Uh, we're going to take a break from him. We'll come back and talk about Pong Shui in Coach Hogg's locker room. We got a nice little Coach Hogg's locker room today because by, the sports are indicative of the culture and vice versa. So what this new coach here is trying to do, I think, is build an alpha dog culture with him at the top of it. He will be the alpha, alpha dog. Now, he should carry himself that way when he walks. He should carry himself that way. And I watched him. He does. He's not a guy given to humor. He's not a guffawing humor. He's not a get along to get along type dude, from what I can tell. Uh, he's, he's, he's laying back trying to figure out a way to whip your butt. And, and if that's the case, well, he's got, he, he, he's come to somebody who really will, has been looking for that. Although they may, they may not call it that. We'll be right back on Coach Hogg's locker room inside, huh? The Warthog Man Cave Command Center inside the Melton Law Studio, inside the Piney Woods of North Central Florida. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are on-the-spot dry cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, R&R Construction, Gators Dockside, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, Thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. All right, welcome back to um, the Ward Scott Files, but really we're in Coach Hogg's locker room. Now, you know, a locker room is a pretty doggone special place. You know, you got to realize that what goes on in here stays in here. They don't go nowhere else because what we're doing in this locker room, what we're talking about doing to, you, to the other guy, ain't something you might want to take home to mom. I remember when I was in military school, we had a uh, had a good buddy who went into the special forces, and um, they uh, told his mother uh, that once he'd gone through special forces training. Uh, that she could no longer go into her son's bedroom and tap him on the shoulder and say, uh, son, it's time to get up because he might just bite your hand off. Uh, we always laughed about that in military school. We thought it was pretty doggone true. Um, <clears throat> he's a pretty bad dude to start with. And the idea of his mama going in and waking him up when he was young and always used to tickle us. But then the idea of his mama not there going in there and waking him up after he'd been through special forces, even taking us more. So, um, and that's what we're talking about. Okay. Uh, you go to war, you get the alpha dog out. So, um, here, here, here's, here's, we got a little problem. You know, we just talked about Leah Thomas was Will Thomas. And now, you know, we've got the WTA, which is, um, the women's tennis association really spearheaded by Billie Jean King, Martina Navratilova, both of whom are lesbians, which is fine. They're great athletes. Uh, they, they really deserve every accolade they get. They're really excellent. And uh, they played in the women's leagues. And <clears throat> the only one who ever uh, played in the women's leagues who had been a female that I know of was Renee Richards, uh, who actually had a total sex change was a, a male, uh, Richard was his name, as a pediatric ophthalmologist. He changed to a woman 
uh, Renee Richards, which was kind of clever, isn't it? And uh, the name it is, and started playing and petitioned to play and was allowed to play on the Women's Tennis Association tour. But more importantly, was Martina's coach. And, and Renee, who was a pretty good friend of mine, I knew Renee very, very well, went to Martina when Martina was a little doe girl, uh, a little chubby, and told her, look, you can be the best in the world if you'll listen to my advice, which is going to be very, very demanding and authoritative and uncompromising. And she did. And she became Martina Navatilova. So uh, <clears throat> I always knew the backstory on her because I knew who had made her. Uh, now, the Women's Tennis Association is a pretty big deal, but it's missing one of its players, and that is Peng Shui. Uh, Peng Shui is a Chinese player, and Chinese players are getting to be awfully good, uh, particularly the women. Um, and, and Peng Shui uh, is a tennis star in China, but she accused a top Communist Party official of rape and hasn't really been seen from since. Now, she's been seen on tape, but the people who've looked at it, who know her, say, you know, that tape's been doctored. That's not a relaxed, confident peng shui. Somebody, so to speak, is holding a gun to her head. So <clears throat> the WTA stunned the world, and this is uh, John Hayward writing about this in Breitbart. The WTA stunned the world on Wednesday by announcing it would suspend all games in China and Hong Kong uh, until the Chinese government conducted a full and transparent investigation into Peng Shui's allegations against uh, a former vice premier, Shang Gaiyun. Um, she accused this character of rape, and then she disappeared from public view for weeks after making the allegation on, Sophia, uh, on social media. And then the Chinese censors, you know, a little, they're a little worse than our censors, but our censors are a lot like them, uh, scrub, the, scrub the communications and emails and, uh, and post whatever it's on social media. <clears throat> so she hasn't been seen from since. But the plot thickens when the WTA has now gone to the ATP, which is the Association of Tennis Professionals Men's League, uh, and that includes Felder and Djokovic and Nadal and all these guys, high-powered guys, and ask them to join hands with the WTA and boycott China. Now, that is a huge, uh, uh, that would be a huge deal if that happened. Let me have a sip here. Got the Christmas cups out. Merry Christmas coming up for y'all. That would be a big deal if uh, it actually happened. Uh, on Thursday, the ATP chair <clears throat> issued a statement that appeared to be supportive of the WPT, uh, TPA, uh, WTA, but he did not join in the boycott of China. Uh, he just said it raised serious concerns uh, within and beyond our sport and uh, has really not committed yet. Um, I don't know if I, I, I hope the W I hope the ATP does commit. I hope they really come out and, but you know what? Um, if they did, it'd be so different from LeBron coward James, who uh, is all, all his NBA, NBA guys making money off of China, trying to expand the NBA league into China. You know, uh, they're always griping and complaining. Brent, James and those guys about bad. Everybody's already got it. And, and look at how they got it. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> they can't dare boycott China because China is where they're getting their products from that they indeed in turn put their name on their brand and make their money from. Um, so um, this has raised a little brouhaha uh, in the world of tennis uh, between the ATP and the uh, uh, WTA. Um, it's, uh, of course, the, um, the National Basketball Association, as we've talked about, um, uh, they constantly criticize, and this is really, I don't watch the NBA anymore, can't stand them, I can't stand those guys. Um, they criticize the, uh, their own country, but they, they refuse to speak out against China. 
uh, it's, it's one of the ways in which they, of course, um, make their money and span their league in the NBA. So um, there you are. The NBA, I think, is uh, uh, I don't I don't I don't I don't care about them. I am watching the Gator basketball team, but that's about it. I'm not watching the NBA. I'm, I'm not interested. <clears throat> well, well, well. That's a couple. I got one more thing here. I think in Coach Hogg's locker room. Let me look at this. Um, no, I, I believe that's it. Um, in terms of Coach Hogg's locker room, um, which is a little extended version here. We had about 40 minutes because we had the changing of the guard with this Billy Napier. So. Um, um, I don't, it'll be, you know, as I say, for us guys who've been around here for so long, it's just uh, one more uh, opportunity to be snake bit, perhaps. But we'll see how it goes. Um, locally, i got to cover a little local stuff. I don't know if you have noticed, if you noticed this. <clears throat> it was disgusting, really. <clears throat> In the Gainesville Sun... I think it was Friday. Birkenstock Squirko, Cindy Squirko, wrote an article about this audit of the city of Gainesville. I read that thing. And I'm going to tell you right now, you compare that to what we said here on the Ward Scott Files about that audit and what the Gainesville Sun says. You can't tell. This doesn't sound like the same story. It doesn't sound like the same same world at all. The Gainesville Sun article blames it all on the finance department. Oh, the finance department does inadequate work, and it's very, and how low can you go, Bowtie Poe? So oh, it's so hard to find smart financial people. It's all BS. It's all BS. We've already covered it. Nathan Scott and I covered it. It's about GRU financing the damn social programs of the ideological liberals. So how low can you go by Bowtie Poe in that crowd? And Poe blames it on the finance department. He says, quote, in the article, the finance department is a tough environment. It's really difficult to hire folks with the qualifications we need. <clears throat> how about getting a mayor? That's got some sense. So if you read that, I had to, I had to put that in a discussion. Today. If you read that, you can't even tell anything about You can't tell. You have to go. Listen, we got the audit report out on Ward's hot bulletin board. You can go read the whole audit report. <clears throat> and you can see for yourself that this is bull rocky, bull hockey the Gainesville Sun treatment of it. It's just more crap, you know, that you have to put up with here. Now, let me tell you one more thing. <clears throat> this is Birkenstock Squirko again, covering the, uh, the academic freedom issue. And the chairman of the academic freedom, uh, <clears throat> thank you, thank you, Michael, for finding that. There's the, there's, there's the uh, site for that one. Michael Lucas has just put that up on the uh, um, Facebook page here. <clears throat> and if you want to text me, it's 352-325-3938 on the Melon Law Hotline. Michael, maybe you can find this one too. It is a UF board chairman fires back. <clears throat> and um, UF board chairman, he had enough. Uh, and he came out and said that... Um, the media has written an incomplete reporting of the story. No, no, duh. They always do. And he says that uh, the faculty are taking advantage of their positions. Uh, they're taking second jobs using the state resources for their own personal gain. And that he's speaking about faculty members who use their positions of authority to improperly advocate personal political views to the exclusion of others. Now, he should have gone ahead and put the following phrase in that statement, <clears throat> okay? <clears throat> so I'm gonna revise the chairman of the board of trustees of the University of Florida. I'm gonna revise his statement just a little bit, okay? 
and you're going to hear the difference. Here's his statement. He says, I am speaking here of faculty members taking second jobs using the university state resources for their own personal gain. I am speaking about faculty members who use their positions of authority to improperly advocate personal political viewpoints to the exclusions of others in and out of the classroom. Huh? I would have added that. Because <clears throat> I will bet you a nickel to a dollar that if you go to the classrooms and listen in the classrooms to the conversations these professors have with their students, you're going to hear there an improper advocacy for their personal political point of view to the exclusion of others. I've seen it. I was in academics. I heard it myself. I've seen it. I used to shudder. Nobody disciplines these people. And the students just want to get a grade, so they're going to go along with it. They don't question their teacher. <clears throat> I told mine, you question the heck out of me. You, you people out here right now, you question the heck out of what I say. That's what I'm saying it for. You question it. You disagree. I don't care. That's what it's all about. You got a better version? I want to hear it. But this improper advocacy of personal political points of view doesn't just take place <clears throat> when these characters are asked to testify in a trial. It takes place in the classroom and has for years. There's been a steady increase of this kind of crap all the way up to the president's. Fox is what Fox put his people through a a, a, a brain re, a, a re education camp until like an exorcist they puked out their white bias. Uh, we covered that. That's out on the Ward's Hot Bulletin Board. It's disgusting. Now, of course, the Paul Ortez, the president of the faculty union. Let me tell you about the union at Florida. Only about ten percent of the faculty, last time I was around there, belonged to the union. They don't want to, be, why in the world, if you were a faculty member, would you want two bosses? <clears throat> your university and president is your boss, and then you belong to a union, that creep is also your boss. You don't want that. So every time one of these characters from the flat faculty union speaks up, and I've known them all when I was there, I worked with them. But I learned that they didn't represent very many of the faculty. I mean, what they represent in the faculty is similar to what votes in the Gainesville City elections. Let's put it that way. <clears throat> and yet, because the others don't speak up, that little 10% gets to run the city and gets to speak up in these articles. And this Ortez, if he's quoted properly, and I don't know, because Cindy Birkenstock Sparko may have not quoted him correctly, but he says, quote, talking about the statement by, um, by the chair of um, trustees, the statement was written by an individual, individuals who do not understand the role of intellectual freedom. It is not intellectual freedom. The term doesn't exist. It's academic freedom. Almighty. I, I swear. I swear. There's enough work in this world. You know, I, 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 you can spend all day long trying to straighten these idiots out, and you won't get anywhere with them. <laughs> well, applause for the chair of the trustees. I applaud him. Usually these trustees don't have a clue about the educational institution. Their political appointments, uh, I've known them, I've worked with them. Every once in a while you have one, it's a good one. But mostly they're just, uh, uh, what's the term for it? Um, window dressing. They don't know. They don't know, what the, they don't know what the hell they're approving. 
<clears throat> they don't have a clue. They don't have a clue what they're what they're what they're governing. They got appointed because they gave a bunch of money to the governor. I'm not kidding. It would never appoint somebody like me to the board of trustees at Santa Fe. Never. Because I know, I know the institution inside out. It wouldn't do that. All right. <laughs> this is how bad it is. The Wall Street Journal. The erosion of academic standards, okay? It's all because of this race car. I'm, ser I'm serious. That's what is doing us in. The race car is doing the country in, okay? The misapplication, let's put it that way, of the race car is doing the country in. Now, in mathematics, we've seen the decline in critical thinking skills in the soft sciences, if you will, political science and social science and humanities. And what's happened is they've been corrupted by progressive causes. Okay? Don't even argue about that. That's that's the truth, right? You, well, yeah, you argue about it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <clears throat> Here to four, the hard sciences have been different. Mathematicians, physicists, engineers have taken the position that you can't corrupt those disciplines because they are what they are. You can't push ideology, progressive ideology into an algebra class. Well, that's what you think. That's what you think. The editorial board of the Wall Street Journal has looked into this a little bit. And some of the top nation's top quantitative scientists have taken a position and they are alarmed over the recent trends in K through 12 mathematics in the United States, which have been corrupted or are being corrupted by the social justice movement. How are they doing it? Huh? A little test, a little quiz question there. How, how are the social justice advocates eroding the integrity of mathematics? Want to know how? <clears throat> By eliminating standardized testing and by lowering standards in math to the extent that it appears there are no achievement gaps between white and black. Huh? Huh? I'm sure you've seen this discussed right here at our local school board in some form or another. Now, these scientists are delicate about this because you know what can happen? The woke culture can grab them up by the nape of the neck, right? So they have said the political erosion of standards, and they have said it this way, are well-intentioned approaches to reform mathematics education. But <clears throat> when you look at what they're really saying, for example, California's Department of Education encourages teachers of mathematics. Are you ready for this, my friends? To take a quote unquote justice oriented perspective. So, what do we do? 
it reduces, consequently, the availability of advanced mathematical courses to middle schoolers and beginning high schoolers and discourages students from taking calculus. All in order to advance, say after me, equity. Equity. What this is doing, of course, my good friends, is damaging America's global competitiveness. That's, that's a no-brainer. And by declining the rigorous math in public schools, you're leading to a privatization of top-tier instruction because people who want their kids to know this stuff are going to bail out of the public K-12, through and they're going to go to private schools that will teach these kids to be competitive, their kids, in a competitive world. And that's going to take resources. This is a brilliant syllogism. That's going to take resources away from those you're trying to <clears throat> equity and inclusion. <clears throat> Isn't it brilliant? Listen to that syllogism. You know, so you want to narrow the gap between the races, white and black. So what do you do? You erode the standards of the courses they take so that the black will look as competitive as with the white as, you know, in the name of equity. But in so doing, you're only going to drive the excellent out of the public system into a private system and further lower the low. Isn't that, isn't that, and these people are dumb who have signed this. They have, uh, they have one of them's a Nobel laureate in physics, another in chemistry. They're 25 members of the National Academy of Sciences and faculty at Stanford, Berkeley, Caltech, MIT. These people ain't no lightweights. Now, some of them indeed, the Wall Street Journal finds, may be politically left of center. But when it comes to foundational skills and calculus and algebra, which are centuries old, they ain't going to back down. The progressives are trying to rewrite the country's civil contract. They are willing, my friends, to downgrade every standard of excellence we've got in order to make it look as if the disadvantaged can compete with the advantage. It doesn't start, it starts in the home. And finally, my friends, the mathematicians appear to have bowed up and said enough is enough is enough is enough. I've got another interesting thing here to discuss with you. I ain't got time to discuss today. <clears throat> I'll just briefly go over it. Well, I'm saving it until tomorrow. I'll have it. We'll have a we'll have a surprise. Okay. We'll have a surprise for tomorrow. It has to do with COVID. That ought to pique your interest. It has to do with COVID. Uh, I think we got about a couple minutes left. Um, is that what we got left production? So um thanks for supporting the Ward Scott Files by tuning in and spreading the word and Hopefully, once in a while, you might send a little donation our way so we can keep the lights on and uh, the oven hot. Um, hopefully, um, you know, we'll we'll be able to keep on keeping on in spite of the censorship of the uh, social platform. So um, um, keep on thinking, keep on researching, keep on contributing information to me. I enjoy it when I get things from you that I take a look at. So thanks to production. Uh, and um, thanks for um, tuning in. Have a great day. I'm on the way to the range to pop a few caps, by the way. I haven't been there for a while. I'm going to take my pistols and, and um, blow up some targets. Be right back tomorrow. Warthog Command Center, Man Cave out.